This episode is sponsored by Free Market Kids. Join the league of families who are transforming family time into unforgettable Bitcoin learning experiences. With our Hoddle Up Bitcoin mining board game, you're not just playing. You're building bridges, creating memories, and unlocking the brilliance of the future one block at a time. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Orange Hatter. Today, I'm sharing with you a conversation I had with Kiki. Welcome, Kiki, to the show. I love your background and um, through our conversation coming up, I hope we'll be able to shed some light on that with our audience. Just to get us started, how did you come across even the idea of Bitcoin? I came across Bitcoin in a really unique way. And whenever I tell this story, I've never heard anyone come to Bitcoin in that way. So I've been involved with yoga for 40 years. I was a longtime vegetarian. I would say like everything that's kind of mainstream is about clean eating or pure eating or plant-based or everything like that. I had embraced all those ideas long ago because I traveled to organic foods, whole foods, totally disciplined, totally on that path. And I traveled to India extensively where my teachers were, my yoga teachers and professors, they were in South India, which is primarily vegetarian. And so it's like, oh my gosh, you know, this is a match made in heaven. And I started to develop some health problems and I was eating like the perfect diet. Why were my ears ringing? Why did I have rashes? Why did I have overall body pain? Why no superfood, no juice, no amount of juice, no amount of fasting, no amount... Mm -hmm. And so, of course, I was familiar with, you know, paleo, keto, Weston A. Price. But, you know, when vegetarians or vegans, we heard about Weston A. Price, who did all the research on how traditional diets build great bones and teeth mm -hmm. and bone structure and how modern factory diets, when they come into an isolated area, like visiting islands, visiting even he visited, he traveled all over the world people that lived in the Alps, if they ate their traditional diets. And then if the family moves to a city, if during the pregnancy, the mother is eating differently, that child that's born, their bones are degraded, their teeth are degraded, their, their growth is stunted, all these things. So, and it's all based on traditional animal nutrition or traditional ways of like preparing grains or cheeses or whatever. So, that was like anathema to hear about like Weston A. Price. Like I'm aligned with the vegetarians, you know, South Indians who of course have very short lives, very poor overall health, but I couldn't see it at the time. Most of my teachers or professors began to lose their teeth, you know, in their forties or fifties. And then of course, diabetes there now is just exploding. So I had all these health problems. I was like, well, let me read a little more Western Price. Let me learn about bone broth. And I, you know, overcame like every revulsion to eat meat, which I had not done for years. And I made some bone broth with like an old Thanksgiving turkey carcass, not that mm -hmm. old, day old. I felt amazing immediately. And maybe it was a, you know, placebo effect or something. But I started making bone broth, adding meat keeping in all those vegetables and everything, but just feeling better and better. And as I was doing my research, 
I would come across like these carnivores, Dr. Sean Baker, or, and I was just like, oh, that's disgusting. That, that, that man is like an animal, like send him back into a cave. And then I'm like doing, you know, something more keto, according to the guidelines of Dr. Jason mm -hmm. Fong. And I was like, well, if I'm counting out these 30 carbs a day, it's still creating some kind of carb craving. I'll just cut them all, all together. So then I was a carnivore. <laughs> there was an article that went viral. I was in a, like a woman's carnivore group mm -hmm. on Facebook. I was also in a vegan recovery group on Facebook. Um, and all of us were becoming carnivores. And an article went viral within these Facebook groups on the Bitcoin carnivores. Oh. And I was like, what's a Bitcoin carnivore? So I read the article. It was very entertaining. Saifedean was included in it. Saifedean Amos. Michael Goldstein, who goes by Bitstein. And I was like, these guys are really smart. They're really funny. They're eating carnivore. They figured something out. Everything else they're saying, I have no idea what they're talking about, but because they're so smart, I'm going to learn more about Bitcoin. So Googling around, I go to the Nakamoto Institute, which is that page. I read the white paper. I've never read a white paper in my life. I was a theater and dance student, and I have a, you know, a creative arts and writing background. And I was like, I don't even know what I'm reading. I'm reading about gold and you know fiat, this and that. And then I watched a talk which Saifedean later told me was the first talk he ever gave after the publication of the Bitcoin Standard. And I listened to that talk and I was like, this sounds very interesting and important. My boyfriend, my partner, Joe, he had graduated years ago with a degree in economics from Berkeley. And so I was like, what do you know about Bitcoin? He's like, Bitcoin, nothing. And I said, we really have to look at it. You're going to figure it out better than I am because you at least have some concepts we really have to look at it. These guys are really smart. And so I shared the information I found with him. And then Dr. Sean Baker, the carnivore on his podcast, like a week later, he hosted Michael Bitstein and Saifedean Amos. And they were just like smart and funny. And so like, we listened to that, you know, that was that. I was in New York City at the time, like 2018, early 2019. And now we have so many rails to get on Bitcoin, to buy Bitcoin, to have a wallet, to store Bitcoin, to get the help, to buy Bitcoin, to hold Bitcoin and keep it private, be our own banker. Back then it was incredibly difficult. So I was looking for meetups in New York. They were very hard to find. I had joined meetup.com. I was like checking all these other things. Something had just opened in New York City called like the Blockchain Center or something. And so I signed up for their mailing list and they were sending out emails, but most of their events were, I don't know, finance oriented, but not Bitcoin. And then there was a Bitcoin event and it was a live taping of a podcast, Tales from the Crypt, with Matt O'Dell and Marty Bent. We went and it was like sold out, standing room only. But everyone that we talked to was like, hi, have you been here before? No, we're new to Bitcoin. And they're like, oh, join this Telegram group. Here's a meetup. Here's this. Who's that? People were so friendly. So I would say part of what kept us looking at Bitcoin was we met amazing people. And then we watched Matt and Marty, and they were both in New York at that time. Marty Bent now is in Austin. Matt O'Dell is in Nashville. So a lot of those early people have since left New York. 
And then Pierre Rochard, who left to go work for Kraken, he ran the New York Bitcoin meetup. So we met him and we just got to spend really close time with all these people. Saifedean was coming to town to do some kind of like steak dinner and a book signing. Bitcoin Twitter was quite small and I was just invisible on it, but I was like following a few people. And I saw that there was a dinner with Saifedean and Pierre, a private steak dinner with a pretty hefty ticket. But I just thought, I just want to get near these guys. So Pierre announced the dinner with Saifedean and Moose is sold out. And I responded, I snoozed, I <laughs> lost. And then I think the next day he DM'd me and he was like, are you still, in I didn't know him. Are you still interested in the dinner? I might have an extra ticket because someone had to drop out. And it was that night. So the day he DM'd me, it was that night. And my boyfriend lived two hours north. And I said, actually, I would need two tickets because if I went to this dinner without him, I wouldn't be in a relationship today. But I wanted him to be there. I said, actually, I would need two tickets. And he goes, well, let me call the steakhouse. Let me see if I can get a private, a larger room. So he got back to me. In the meantime, I called my boyfriend. He ran a his organic distribution food business up there. And I was like, put on a shirt, get in, like, put on a nice shirt, get in the car, come down. We might be meeting safe at Dinamos. And we had his book. So we we're like totally excited. We went to the dinner and met safe at Moose. And I sat next, when I first got there, there was like 25 of us there. And safe Dean said, I thought we had really made it. 25 people came out to a dinner to hear about Bitcoin and get my book. Like, God, I couldn't get better than that. I had just done a whole bunch of Weston A. Price research. He was writing what would become a chapter in the Fiat Standard on food. So we talked all about Weston A. Price. And then he said, oh, well, give me your email. I'll send you an early version of my chapter. And so now I'm emailing the Seyfedean Emma. I respected his boundaries in private life. And it was just an amazing event. We started going to the Bitcoin meetups that Pierre Rochard hosted and just met amazing people. We went to Matt O'Dell started offering. He did some cold card workshops for wallets that we went to. Pierre offered a lightning programming workshop that I went to. And there was like 10 of us. And I was like, okay, what's next? <laughs> My boyfriend's like, you're ahead. Just like slow down. You're ahead. I was like, well, teacher's pet. So that was very exciting. So that's how I got into it. I was a carnivore and I learned about Bitcoin. And most Bitcoiners like yourself learn about carnivore. So that's how I got involved. And I just learned a lot that I really didn't know. I'd never thought about money. I didn't know that the dollar was not anchored to gold. I don't know. I got inspired by the Austrian economics and the idea of having a sovereign money and understanding that our money wasn't safe, so to speak. So that's how I got into it. And I would really say it was the people that just kept us in it because they were so smart and they were so entertaining and they were so warm. They were so kind. Yeah, that's definitely been my experience. I'm much newer to this space than you. And that is definitely one thing that stands out everywhere we go because we have traveled to a lot of different Bitcoin meetups and across the board, it's been the same. People are warm and they're so willing to teach you. For all our listeners, if you have any questions at all, just find a Bitcoin meetup and go ask questions because 
people are more than happy to share their knowledge. I think that's that's quite unusual these days. Absolutely, you know, there's always there's always a price on everything now when you try to ask people to help you. Yes, I think that's true. Bitcoin is very. I mean, Bitcoiners want a Bitcoin circular economy. They want Bitcoin adoption. So it's almost like we're like the Moonies or something, or the Heart Christians. Like we're out in the street with our red robes. Like join Sun Young Moon. It will change your life. Like change your life. You know, we're、um, the Jehovah's Witnesses. I've always been like they're just the nicest people I've ever met. You know, because. They have found joy through their belief system in their community, and they're very happy to share it in a very joyous way. So, I think that helps. I know a lot of people, and women in particular, are kind of turned off by what's called like Bitcoin maxis, these kind of Bitcoin maximalists, and there's a lot of trash talking.、But、to my mind, that's a really that's like an entry level. Junior high stage of getting into Bitcoin, and it is a more male aspect of it. Thank you for joining us today. We will continue this conversation tomorrow. Be sure to come back and hear the rest. See you next time.